0: The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision.
1: Welcome into Rob Black and your money. Happy New Year. Rob's on vacation. I'm Tony Mendez sitting in for Rob. And I have my uh, esteemed co-host from my show that I do on Thursday nights, Gordon Hines, with us today. Thank you. Thank you, it. I'm going to welcome
2: myself. <laughs>
1: <laughs> welcome in, everybody. This is Colin show, 800-516-1220, 800-516-1220. And we are live. I want to stress that. Um, yeah, and Rob's on vacation. Uh, he started 2019 off with a bang, I suppose. Uh, you know, 2018 is in the books. Uh, not quite what many expected how the year ended. Uh, stock market, you know, it's always fun to watch what's going on. There's a lot of volatility kind of caught me off guard a little bit, Gordon. Um, but not as much as mortgage rates. Mortgage rates dipped at the end of the year. Uh, the 10-year yields almost where we started at the beginning of 2018 and ended about the same as in 2019 starts. Uh, today, there's a little bit of pickup. Right now, the Dow is up 649 points, and the yields rebounded a little bit as well, uh, meaning that yesterday was one of the lowest yields that we've seen, which meant mortgage rates were some of the lowest rates we've seen in several months. Um, you know, 2019, is it's going to be one of the themes in 2019 that we're going to follow quite quite closely, is what... Is going to happen with interest rates? What are your thoughts about what rates will do in 2019? Let's just get
2: that out of the way. Well, as we, as we figured out, 2018 a lot of volatility. We ended in. I went back and looked at the chart from 2000, the beginning of 2018. We start off with a bang, so we ended up. With, yeah, it was about four percent. We started at. Yeah, a lot of volatility. So, if I was to do a reverse psychology, since we're starting off the year on a roller coaster, like we have rates going up and down, maybe at the end of the year, 2019 will be flourishing. Uh, but I don't see much happening. And then as far as rates are concerned, the Feds have announced that they will make, I think, two rate increases scheduled, I should say, for this year. Uh, and and those things are subject to change depending on the economy, depending on what's going on in other parts of the world, what's going on in the world market. So nothing is kind of etched in stone. Um, I see, If you, we were talking about this yesterday on our show, that um, rates, even though we had six increases within the last 18 months, rates are still relatively low. We're still averaging 45 on a 30-year fix, around 4% on a 15-year fix, which is actually quite low considering that we've had those. Those Fed increases, so it might not reflect on a mortgage loan, but other loans have been reflected: car loans, insurance yeah. cards. I mean, we're going to you know, talk about that, that line line too
1: about how how people are looking at real estate as a you know a lower, a cheaper asset right now. It's also appreciating. Cheaper meaning it's less expensive to, to own, uh, especially with interest rates. Meanwhile, they're seeing car loan rates go up, credit card rates go up, other kind of rates go up. We're looking at student loans right now hitting another high, uh, and you're looking at the this debt. And, and, one of the themes I think we'll see through 2019, when we see those ebbs and flows of the mortgage rates, that volatility and those, what I call buying opportunities, we're going to see some people taking some cash out and they, and they're going to start wondering whether or not that equity line makes sense. Right now, 2017 was, uh, another recent peak in equity line originations. And uh, we you can go back to 2005, six, and seven, and then you saw those all reset somewhere around 2000 and, uh, 16, 17, and 18, yet people are still getting right back into that, and they're second-guessing whether or not they should. Um, But they're so easy to get. They're so heavily promoted, Gordon, that uh, when you you sit there and you go, I'm going to take some cash out, you really have to start thinking twice of whether or not you're going to do a refinance and take some cash out, possibly pay off some other debt, make it more affordable, fix in the rate as long as you can. Look at that aggregate rate, maybe re And this is some stuff that, this is a, again, I think it's seen going through 2019
2: as people start trying to manage their mortgage and their debt. Well, as we always talk, uh, our, our business is actually not monitored by race, in, in, in our opinion. It's managed by the different products that are available f- as financial tools to help you balance your budget. One of the things that has happened in 2019, 2018. Lenders, big banks, you walk into a bank, they're offering these equity lines. It's has very easy to get. Keep in mind, they're not real estate loans. They're actually consumer loans. Uh, there's no appraisal a lot of times. There's actually very little that needs to be done. Um, basically, you get a copy of your mortgage statement. They give an assessment of what the automatic value is, and they give you an equity line. And five or six or seven days later down the line, you're signing loan docs. Now you have equity line, but it requires management. And a lot of times people mismanage those funds because they think it's like free money, but it's actually a very, very important tool to manage. Equity lines are great if they're properly managed and properly uh, administered. So as the market changes, you'll see a lot more products come on the market. We see a lot of non-QM products and QM products that have come on the marketplace because as rates go up, in order to keep volume going, they add different trinkets to our market.
1: One of the reasons for the expected growth in home equity borrowing is the fact that household home equity, currently nearing $15 trillion has surpassed its prior housing bubble peak in 2006, which was over a trillion. So we've gained another $500 million in equity uh, around the United States, and people want to access that. Uh, Meanwhile, they've run up a lot of debt. So this is one of those themes that we're going to see through 2019. You know, we highly recommend that people are looking at transactions to, you know, I think that's what, what really 2018 and 2019 will be all about is like, how do I fit into real estate? You know, I I looked at my real estate recently and and I was like, okay, I'm making this much money here and making okay money over here. I'm trying to pay this house off by this amount of time so I can have this kind of cash flow. And then you start going, well, maybe i refinance cash. Out, pay off some other debt over here, or buy another property, or consolidate properties. A lot of people still um, are trying to are figuring out what a ten thirty one exchange is and whether or not you know consolidating uh, their properties or expanding their properties, and you know trying to defer those taxes. So there's two thousand nineteen is going to be you know finishing out some of the shuffling, and I hope by the end of the year we're going to figure out what the Fed is really going to do, and uh, without the you know kind of fluff and confusion that they're really giving us. Some of the other things... Themes that I think through 2019 will give us in real estate. Uh, we know the stock market is going to have some volatility. We know that this, the Fed is going to do their, their thing with rates. I mean, we, we saw some great employment numbers this morning. 3.9 percent uh, unemployment. The, the economy's strong. But right? what's what's interesting too is there's still a big demand for uh, for properties. I think we're going to see more inventory um, hit the market. We're going to see uh, a little bit more sales, but not much. But w- one of the big things we're going to this year, in my opinion, is mid-sized cities are going to start, uh, are going to really pick up. We looked around the nation and saw some of the 10 cities in the United States that are looking at, that are poised to, to rule in 2019. Places, small places like Lakeland, Florida, Grand Rapids, El Paso, uh, Chattanooga, Phoenix, Bridgeport, Connecticut, Las Vegas. Las Vegas is, is seeing some massive returns. Sales aren't doing too great right now, but their predicted growth is over 8%. Boise City, Miami, Boston. Um and then you can throw in places like Austin, one of the big stories of course, Apple, you know, in Austin and a big there's going to be a big boom. Then you have Northern Virginia where Amazon's moving. You see some of these um, you know, suburbs really doing well. I think the theme in 2019 will be where is everybody moving? Where are the jobs moving? And where's the best real estate uh, transactions. That's that's
2: going to be a big theme that I follow. Well, jobs are very very important to to regions as far as employment is concerned, Cities that have good um, job opportunities always see you see real estate values always tend to rise because people especially in high paying jobs in our tech industry for example where the the market always comes and goes i think you have to look at where where the market going to go from here in 2019 and we look at the job situation regional jobs a lot of companies are moving all over the place you know amazon is a big company apple all these guys are are big employment centers so as these People in these companies make employment available, jobs tend to follow. That's what I see. All right. We're going to come back after this
1: break. Remember, Rob Black is on vacation. I'm Tony Mendez. That's Gordon Hines. We're sitting in for Rob today. He has a seminar coming up. It's called Retirement Income and Tax Planning. It's on January 24th. It's Rob Black and Chad Burton. It's it's an evening event at the Palo Alto Elks Lodge. You can go to robblack.com for more information on that, to sign up. Uh, I think you can register for $25. But if you use Radio 25 as your code, I think you can get in for free. That's robblack.com. We'll be right back after this break here on AM 1220 KDOW. Want the podcast
0: with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to
1: 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back to Rob Black and Your Money. Rob's out today on vacation. I'm Tony Mendez. And I'm joining, Hines. joining us is Gordon Hines as well. We do the real estate report on Thursday nights. So we were here last night, 6 to 7. Eighth year on the air, Gordon. Wow, time is clocking. Time I is late. clocking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love your little, yeah, little phrases here and there. Um, Mike said earlier, stocks up and down. Um, I guess that's how you can kind of zoom it. The stock market right now, uh, Dow is up 631 points. Um, we pay attention a lot to the yields. On the 10 year right now the yields they bottomed out yesterday we haven't seen them that low for almost a year and they've come back up a little bit so yesterday would have been that day to click that button and lock in uh so we again we're talking a little bit of real estate here um very few stocks today you know rob's the stock guy i'm the real estate guy gordon's been in the business for 25 years plus in the bay area i've been doing it for 15 years financing for over 20 years um so we're going to hit a little bit of real estate. We've been talking about 2019. You know, 2018 was kind of, eh, You know, I, I know a lot of people go, that was a gangbuster year. Um, but I think it was, for me, it was more like figuring out what's going to happen in 2019. It always seems like the year prior to the next year is always just, we're trying to figure out what we're going to do the following year. Um, Rate right starting out this year. Yeah, I know you're smiling because it's... It's it's just like every year seems to be the same. But well, we've had this such a run though in real estate, and then it, all of a sudden it's just like okay, what do we do? Um, we, everybody can sit there and say I I want home prices to keep going up, which right now they're predicted around five percent. That's what you know two thousand nineteen looks like. Uh, a lot of that has to do with the continued below average historical average. That is interest rates, the lack of inventory, the lack of home builders that are concentrating on single family homes and they're they're looking at problems between you know everything from supply lines to construction workers construction workers are in high demand right now if if, if you were looking for a job almost anywhere you could move anywhere in the United States in construction well
2: you know we get a lot of our clients uh, always asking for construction referrals. Construction people yeah. are very, very busy, especially if you want a small job. There was a client of mine the other day was telling me she finally got someone to do her small bathroom. She paid almost twice of what the value was because she, quite, quite frankly, couldn't find someone because these guys are all busy and they don't have time for small jobs. But you mentioned earlier that 2018 was a gangbuster year, but it depends on what side of the fence you're sitting on. If you're a seller, yes, great. If you're a buyer, you probably don't feel the same, same opinion simply because you felt that you had to really extend yourself as far as trying to obtain that property. But if you're a you're sitting back, you're just kicking back, five, six offers came in all over asking that was the theme as far as real estate's concerned. I think that going see it. that's going to be a little bit more challenged this year. But for the most part, we'll see more inventory in the market this year, 2019. More inventory makes it a little bit less competitive and we'll see hopefully less volatility in prices.
1: A little bit more concessions made from sellers. We'll see days on markets go up. But really, when it's come down to buying a house, it's not always about, hey, I hope my house goes up 5%. It's always, most people are buying a house because it's a domicile it's a place to live it's a place you know where every month you're gonna pay some principal but it's a roof over your head and they want to find the house that they like okay um, we had a client over in in uh, San Mateo County and uh, earlier in the year he just was getting frustrated there's only like one or two houses that he could choose from but as the year progressed a little bit more properties come on the market, he had more choices and he ended up flipping around like three or four properties and ended up finding the right property. That's what I think 2019 will offer with more inventory is people will have choices as opposed to, okay, that house is pink. I don't like that kitchen or I don't like to wear the garage or the garage is too small. There's not enough storage. Um, The, you know, the number one, the number one uh, fact buying factor for repeat buyers is the laundry room, believe it or not. And doesn't have a laundry room or a big enough laundry room. So there's so these are the things that I think more inventory is going to offer uh, going into 2019. We've talked about mid sized cities as some of th- some of the things we're going to see uh, improving throughout the year of 2019. Mortgage rates expected to be a little bit higher. The Fed expected to have two more rate hikes this year, although that's kind of up in the air. We're seeing more and more uh, uh, news stories about how the, the, the People are predicting the Fed to kind of ease off a little bit, reevaluate. They've they've always said that they that it's not a prediction; it's it's something that they can do, or it's a prediction, but it's something that they can change at any a drop of the, the hat. Um, we've talked about builders in you know not concentrating on single family homes; they're concentrating on rents. Rents are still high, and they're projected to grow in some cities, but projected to come down in others. So, as a builder. Or maybe an investor that's working with a builder, what would you rather build? Would you rather build a a multifamily unit on on half an acre, or would you rather build two homes? Um, I think that's some of the mentality, especially in the urban or even the suburbs. Well,
2: there's a lot of demand, especially if you look around all the major cities. Oakland, for example, I think on every free every corner where there was a free space of land, you're seeing multifamily developments going up. Some of them are condominium complexes, and a lot of them are straight, far out, flat out rentals, especially if they're close to public transportation. As our economy changes, our lifestyle has changed. One of the big things that you mentioned earlier about houses is pet friendly communities. I was just reading an article the other day. Pet friendly communities are very, very important to young people. Everybody wants a pet, and they want to go in a place that are pet friendly pet parks all kinds of things that's a big thing as far as young buyers community I mean, is pet friendly
1: yeah and ultimately the type of housing that's being built is you know making that single family property that single family residence that house a little bit more valuable a little bit more desirable and i can see 2019 um, offering people that have have that right location with that you know the, the right that single family house doing very well and in high demand, especially in a place like the Bay Area where just building is just tough. I mean there's you know, the the new buildings that we hear uh, as far as single-family communities, are farther out. you know, it, it adds to your commute. It adds to your, your expenses. Uh, the prices aren't getting any cheaper. And uh, is it worth going out that far to buy a house, or you can just buy a, a townhouse or a condo a little bit closer? Um, you, home equity loans. We talked about that. U.S. is hitting a new high with equity in their homes at $15 Yet, yeah, refinance activity is actually pulling back. Uh, we're seeing more cash-out transactions, something that we... Talk about all the time on our show is you know some of the, the reasons why people would do a refinance. You know we saw rates hit a little bit highs of last year we we haven't seen in like eight years um, over five percent. Now they've dipped back down. Freddie Mac has the thirty year fix about four point five one percent. Of course, your credit score and equity make a difference on whether or not you're higher or lower than that, but. Um, it, it presents an opportunity for people to look and and see if maybe paying off some higher credit card debt. you know remember that every time the Fed increases rates and they have what eight, how many times six said six well, times in the last, 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 18 last eighteen months, 18 months and that translates into higher credit card I, I just got an Amazon card and I looked at the rate. I was like twelve point nine nine percent oh my gosh why didn 't I just have an equity line or why didn 't I just refinance and pay this off? but we wanted people with twenty five thousand dollars in credit card debt that payment. On that credit card is for every dollar that you have in a credit card is about thirty to forty cents in a in a mortgage. So you can save on a monthly basis a significant amount. So a hundred dollar payment turns into thirty dollar payment. You can figure out the math if you have higher payments. So I think two thousand nineteen will show a lot of people figure out if they should be reamortizing, taking a slightly higher rate. Because remember, a lot of people, Gordon, they got those rates in the threes. Yeah. And that's the struggle to say, oh, you know, I can get an equity line. I can pay interest only for a few years and, you know, and I can pay this back slowly or maybe get that cash out refinance. So we look at all of these types of things. Um, Rob's on vacation, but that still doesn't mean he's not working. He has a seminar coming up on January 24th. This is at the Palo Alto Elks Lodge. So retirement income and tax planning. Chad Burton will be there as well. Check it out on robblack.com. It's $25 res- registration. But I believe if you use radio 25 as your code, you can get in for free. Uh, check Rob Black out at robblack.com. We'll be come back after this break. This is Tony Mendez sitting in for Rob Black on Rob Black and Your Money. We'll be right back.
0: Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM
1: 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. And don't forget the weeknight replay at 7. Welcome back into to Rob Black and Your Money. Rob is out on vacation. I'm Tony Mendez sitting in. We have our guest, Gordon Hines. He's co-host on the Real Estate Report with me on Thursday nights. And we we're talking a little bit about real estate, as a lot of people out there have been accustomed to on Fridays. Um, so we were talking a little bit about 2019 and some of the, you know, expectations, of, you know, how it plays into, you know, what we saw in 2018. 2019 is going to be interesting, Gordon, and with inter- we don't know what interest rates going to end up. We thought interest rates would going to end up much higher by the end of 2018, yet we ended the year close to where we started. As far as the yields are concerned, we're still about a half a point off of where we started mortgage rates at the beginning of 2018, but 4.51% according to Freddie Mac Weekly Survey. um, I expect that maybe to dip a little bit, but the yields are a little bit up today. The Dow is up 607 right now. NASDAQ's up 232. So we're seeing a little rebound from what we saw yesterday. Apple's picking up a little bit. I think Apple is up um, about 3.9%, about $5.56. So Apple's interesting. You know, um, You know, even though Rob's the stock guy, I'm the real estate guy. I've been doing this for about 15 years. You know, as a Bay Area resident, I find it kind of interesting to watch Apple. Uh, they took it on the chin, kind of like the 49ers, right? A <laughs> <laughs> um, couple analysts from. Uh, commented on Apple. The iPhone has an issue with pricey Elasticity, especially in China, resulting in market share loss. Several years of uncompelling new features caught up to the company. Another said macro weakness can cause replacement demand to fall off quickly, which is what we are seeing in China. Issues are macro more than the share loss due to nationalism in China. So, right now, the stock is trading up, like I said, about 3.9% after a rough day yesterday, almost down 10%. You know, we're already hearing reports in the real estate industry about how stocks, Gordon, are affecting the luxury market, where You know, a lot of these people that are buying these luxury homes talk about maybe the top 5% of any market there is. And it's not necessarily a home that's over a million. I mean, you can look across the street and it's a million-dollar house. But the stocks, a lot of people use stocks as down payments, you know, RSUs and so on. And and people were cashing these in to buy real estate. Um, Do you think there's a correlation right now where people are saying, I want to get into real estate because I'm looking right now at, um, you know, like Redfin, for example. They predict that, uh, real estate as a whole in the United States will go up about 5.1%. Case Schiller as well, they, they, they support, I think, 4.9%. And that might be a better return than staying in the stock market. What, what do you see happening in 2019 as as it comes to down payments? Well,
2: and, we, do of, we do a lot of transactions uh, with people that does use stocks as, as, as their down payment, especially in the higher-end um, purchase market. Most people in the higher-end purchase market tend to put down more money. And a lot of times, is they cash in stock options, and that's where the, the actually the, the down payment comes from so if you are, if you have a lot of money tied into stock and then, and let's say for example you have apple stock and it's down five percent you have you know many shares and you're using it for down payment. If you sell that stock, of course, you're going to lose. The great thing about the market is it's, 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 it's a paper loss depending on when you actually exercise your your, your your sale. But to go back to your question, yes, if if the market continues to go down and people are using those options as far as trying to buy property, monies will be less available at, at down payment time.
1: Yeah, it's a little contrary to what we've been seeing over the last six or seven years where we saw interest rates drop and the stock market go up. So we were we were seeing kind of a double benefit here. Yeah home prices were going up, but they were still going up. So you were getting that that extra benefit on top of that with the equity that was being built uh, with your values. And now we see, you know, rates kind of dip. Or hold steady. A lot of people would rather say hold steady or within the range, as opposed to going up with the home prices and the stock market going down. So um, I think 2019 will play out where people go, okay, maybe this should go into real estate. Maybe I, I can look at one of these top ten cities in the United States where, where millennials are moving, where jobs are moving—the Austins, the Northern Virginias, the Boston's, um, and New York cities, and, and other places where uh, Sac- Sacramento, for example, this is the number one destination for people out of out of the Bay Area. We have uh, Seattle's are doing, you know, Seattle took a big hit, too. Uh, rents are coming down. Inventory's skyrocketing. Sales are actually going down. That's not the right combination to see in any kind of market, where you see sales drop, but inventory increase, and then home prices drop consequently uh, portland is doing well las vegas and then denver and austin are part of the you know list of destinations for people out of the bay area but we're going to continue to see that move throughout the united states and 2019 will be part of that but let's, let's let's move on to some of the other predictions or you know what i would consider trends that we're going to see in 2019 there's some been some property tax changes you saw oakland for example they initiated a new kind of tiered level um, uh, property tax rule. Did,
2: can you explain that? Do you do you know enough about the new rules? Oh yeah, a lot of cities generate um, income for the cities by charging a property tax. Anytime there's a sale, they're. The transfer taxes associated with that In most cities it was a standard fixed rate for example i know oakland very well because oakland was uh, i think it's fifteen dollars per thousand so what they did beginning of january 1st they tiered it i think from from zero to three hundred thousand is, is fifteen dollars per thousand i think and it, and it goes up from three hundred thousand to six hundred thousand like seventeen dollars and it goes up consecutively where most times the guy if you spell how for for two point five million, you're going to spend almost seventeen and a half dollars per thousand, which is a considerable increase. Most taxes actually come down as the price go up, but the tier that they're actually done is done just the opposite. Interesting. Richmond yeah. has done the same thing. Yeah. Uh, they have these where these cities are looking to generate revenue. Of course, a lot of cities, bigger cities, have the homeless crisis, and they're looking for many ways to bring in revenue to handle these additional costs that the cities have to incur because of these different dynamics going on in the marketplace. When I said property tax. I Think I meant transfer, transfer tax. tax. Um,
1: 2019, a lot of people are going to be settling in, figuring out you know the, their personal tax return, uh, the, some of the changes in as far as what their deductions are. You know the the property tax as well as the mortgage interest, but mortgage. Limits those conforming limits that everybody talks about. Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, and FHA. Thankfully, FHA followed 2019. As of a couple of days ago, um, the Federal Housing Finance Agency uh, approved the increase in the conforming limit. Right now, the standard conforming limit for a single-family house is 484 thousand. That's up from 453, and that's up considerably from the you know 417 that we saw many years ago. Uh, as far as the high limit. That's 726000 So you can buy a house with 10% down and go up... That, that Translates into somewhere right around eight hundred thousand, and you can stay under the Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, and FHA guidelines, which is fantastic. In
2: FHA, only requires three and a half percent down. Or from from a conformance standpoint, which is the average loan limit fall into that marketplace, I think we we pencil out to five hundred five thousand with three percent down will put you right around four eighty four, which is considerable be an advantage to be able to buy a house with, for half a million if you want to look at it, a big number with three percent down. So it's it's a good things I think it's it's needed in the marketplace, especially. Here, where our prices are off the charts, many of the cities is not a big deal, but California is where we see the great appreciation. We have all the great equities, and we're paying for it.
1: Yeah, but the, the purpose, of course, getting into that conforming limit is you get the better rates. You're not in jumbo. I, I, that's how I would set up. You're not in jumbo, which means you don't need to have the higher credit scores. You don't need to have all of those reserves. You don't. You can they have shorter wait periods for things like foreclosures, short sales, loan modifications, and things like that. Bankruptcies. Um, FHA still rules as far as the closest you can get to what a lot of people used to call subprime loans. I'm not calling FHA subprime, but. Uh, FHA is is a is a tool that people use. In, in fact, one of the things that I, I wanted to start off the show talking about was um, interest rate. We just got an email this morning, right before the show started, from our lender, one of the, our investors, that said, "Hey, you guys, refi- you know, did these twenty transactions with us o- over the last year, and these people are candidates for refinances that." That translates into all of you out there that did any kind of transaction, whether it's a purchase or a refinance in the last couple of years. There's a possibility that these lower interest rates can offer you some sort of, of relief or, or,
2: or a way to drop your payments. Well, the cheapest money anybody can borrow in our economy is on your home. Um, it's the most stable. It's the cheapest cost going in. Um, for a lot of us, our home is our biggest investment. There are a lot of different opportunities that take your money from your home. Once again, it's an asset, but it has to be managed. Uh, la- last couple of weeks, we, we get a lot of people that have that refinanced two, three, four years ago and have low rates, under 4% on a fixed rate, 30-year fix. Now they're looking to take cash out because there's a need for cash, out, not because they want an increase in rate, but the rates are slightly higher. But as long as the, de- the benefit outweigh the cost and it's a very viable transaction, why be locked in at 3.5% and need money? and go get a credit card loan or these kind of rates at ten, fifteen percent. Yeah. You're shooting yourself in the foot. Better take it on your house because it's the cheapest money you can get. Uh student debt's another thing that uh
1: hitting a new record in twenty nineteen. beginning of twenty nineteen student debt just is skyrocketed again. I think we're at um you know forty two percent of Americans who attended college and uh have uh, some sort of student debt. Uh, the average is between twenty and thirty, twenty and twenty-five thousand dollars per person, with an average payment of two hundred to three hundred dollars. The nice thing about some of these uh, conforming limits, you know, falling into that conforming limit is, yes, you can have that debt, and it's all about the payment that goes along with it. A lot of people don't know that. They go, oh, should I pay this debt off? Well, if it's a low payment, you might want to consider just keeping that payment and then you know, saving your cash somewhere else for a down payment and then qualifying at at some of these higher debt ratios. A lot of people think that 43% of debt ratio is is the limit. Now, it's recommended that you stay below that, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to stay below uh, 43%. I've I've seen FHA go over 50%. Um, So, I think 2019 will... You know, I think we'll see more products hit the market, Gordon. Products drive the industry. Absolutely. And I know that you've been saying that over and over and over. And lenders are coming out with new products. There's a forty year interest only loan right now. And the rates are decent depending on what you want to do, and then it's interest only for 10 years, and then it amortizes for 30 years. So, these are some of the new products that are hitting the market. Um, You can always go to our website, bayarealonesource.com. That's bayarealonesource.com for more information. I'm sitting in. I'm Tony Mendez for Rob Black. He is on vacation. Don't forget about his seminar that's coming up on January 24th. It's the Retirement Income and Tax Planning Seminar. It's in Palo Alto Elks Lodge. That's an evening event. You can go to robblack.com to sign up. We'll come back after this break. I'm Tony Mendes sitting in for Rob Black on AM 1220 KDOW. This is Rob Black and your money. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. Welcome, to, welcome back into to Rob Black and your money. Rob is on vacation. I'm Tony Mendes sitting in for Rob Black. Gordon Hines has joined me. He's my co-host on the Real Estate Report, which we do on Thursday nights, eighth year on the air on that show. Yeah, we haven't left the studio since last night. Yeah, we've been here all night. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Feels that way sometimes, doesn't it? Absolutely. Uh, If you want to call the show, 800-516-1220, 800-516-1220. The Dow is up 627 points, kind of a rebound from yesterday. That also includes the yields on the 10-year. That yield kind of... The underlying index behind mortgage rates and mortgage rates kind of dipped down about four point five one percent according to Freddie Mac weekly survey. I think that's going to be one of continue to be one of the driving forces behind real estate inventory. The lack of that is has been the other driving force as well as um, you know good incomes. Uh, we've seen incomes go up. We just saw some of the jobs reports this morning. Uh, unemployment's at three point nine percent. The Bay Area, I think, is at four. Point one. I'd have to double-check that, but it's the lowest in the state. Some of the counties are a little bit lower around here, but overall, it's about 4.1. So, we're seeing great jobs. The Bay Area continues to bring in huge, huge amounts of high-paying jobs. I think the starting salary for a anybody in the tech business, IT, would be about $117,000. Um, one of the reasons why we saw Seattle boom for a while is because the salary wasn't much lower for a starting tech person, but their home prices were about half the medium price here in the Bay area. And you're like, if I want to buy a house, I want to move to where I can afford it. A lot of companies are doing the same thing. Google, uh, Google's done it. Amazon's doing it. Apple just announced that they're going to add thousands of jobs to Austin. Austin's a very interesting, place. Texas in general, I think we're seeing a lot of people looking at places like San Antonio, uh, El Paso, uh, not El Paso, um, Austin and Houston uh, Houston and a lot of the other cities in in Texas because there are an abundance of housing and it's it's a lot more affordable. I know Gordon, you you had a opportunity to go down to Vegas for a while for. Um, a visit to your brother, right? Yeah, and you saw some of the housing out there. You see some of these other cities that have, you know, just the ability to build, build and build, and there's just an abundance of houses. A lot of people look at it like, well, how does my house ever appreciate when there's just so much inventory to choose from? Um, but it's not just that; it's more of a normalized market as well. You can have a little bit higher expectations higher expectations, meaning you can actually predict a little bit better of what's going to happen with your real estate,
2: right? Well, the same thing. I want to think you mentioned earlier, which is important. You, you Seattle, for example, um, prices um, and, and salaries are high. Housing values are low. It's just a matter of time before the balance sets in, which has actually happened. People move up there for those jobs. Prices start to escalate, and then pretty soon they're, they're back to the same balance that we talked about. So anytime you bring in jobs and you bring in high-paying jobs, you are going to see prices go up just out of the standard because people are looking for homes, especially if you're using the Bay Area standard. You're seeing a, a four-, a four five-bedroom Three thousand square feet house going for two hundred thousand dollars. You're willing to pay two fifty because you're using a different scale, and that happens a lot of times. People go to different marketplaces.
1: That happened to me when I moved here. Well,
2: when I, you, you probably well, when I moved here, I was
1: like, "Oh my goodness, that house is six hundred thousand dollars." Back then, of course, six hundred thousand dollars was you know a lot of money. Like it. it seemed like a lot of money, but you know what was interesting about um, that that time, say two thousand five, was that the products there actually. I would have qualified, and, and a lot of people did the same thing. So one of the things, I, you know, that, that whole normalized market, I'd like to say the Bay Area is a little bit easier to predict what's going to happen than most of the other places like Seattle and so on, where you have this huge influx of people coming in for jobs and in and out, because we don't like selling our houses. The Bay Area leads the nation in two very interesting categories. One, they have the most qualified people, owners, to um, that can sell their house and and make money, that is they're not going to go negative. And two, we have the out of the most amount of people we have to
2: sell, we have the least amount of people selling. and they lead the nation in that. Well, that's, that's great stability. Anytime you have a long-term ownership of anything, that's what real estate is. Actually, it's a long-term investment. Like sometimes we get short-sighted because you can buy something and make money tomorrow. But the overall complexity of real estate has been long-term. That's the reason why the benchmark for our business and loan business is a 30-year fix because they are all synonymous with each other. I, I mean,
1: I like the 30-year fix. Um, something that we, we in, on that note, is the arms. ARMS are picking up a little bit. They, they're still very suppressed compared to what they were back in 2006 and 7, where almost 60% of people buying homes were using ARMS, adjustable rate mortgages. Today, that's down to about 9% expecting to go up a little bit, like 1% or 2%, but not nearly what it was like back then. But there's still a use for arms. And if you are considering one, why would you be considering one? one the rate's lower. Two, you might be in your property for five or seven years. Why would you get a 30-year fixed? Uh, a lot of people, though, like turning their properties into rentals, but still, you could do that... Down the road, you could get that 30 year fix down the road and pay and have a little bit more cash flow during that period of time. So, it, arm usage is going to come up a little bit. I know that some of your properties you have arms. Right, I mean, the whole theory here is that the interest rate may be fluctuating, but if if the economy is better, the rate will go up. But that also means you're making more money. If it goes down, your rate will go down.
2: You're making less money, but your payment's lower. Absolutely. I mean, arms are very, very important, too. Most people don't realize if you have an arm at 4% versus a 30-year fixed at 4.5% for five years, that's a considerable equitable difference that you can pay down in principle just off of that difference or in put in your pocket payments. a lot of times people don't look at that but but we came out of a historic classic 30 year fixed rate lows so the the general consensus at that time was a 30 year fix now as rates begin to go up the arm becomes very very important because it could be the difference between qualifying and not qualifying yeah
1: that's uh, uh, an important thing too and i've, I've always had this kind of philosophy that one of my incomes in the household should be able to qualify for a home loan. Now, I, I know a lot of people are out there are like, it's kind of crazy. But I, we're, we've seen several transactions where the, you know the, one of the spouses or partners loses their job right in the middle of the transaction. Um, and then they don't qualify all of a sudden. What happens if you buy the house with dual income and then you lose one of the incomes? How does that happen? So I think that that's the philosophy. I've always, always had
2: some sort of contingency plan there, you know, with that exit strategy. Well, we always talk about that. Exit strategy is very, very important. Anytime you do anything, you have to have an exit strategy.
1: You're welcome to shoot us an email. Um, I'm Tony Mendez. You can email me, tony at com. That's tony at com. Our website, of course, is com. Don't forget about Rob Black's seminar coming up. It's the Retirement Income and Tax Planning Seminar on January 24th at the Palo Alto Elks Lodge. It's an evening event. You can register at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Hope everybody is uh, enjoying the beginning of 2019. Stick with your resolutions. And we'll see you the next time here on AM 1220, KDOW